Hello, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeff Powell. This is the big sports fan. Matthew Tessner is here with us each and every Friday to talk sports. And uh, I think today we're going to start off, Matthew, with baseball. Yeah, Gardner-Webb pitcher Brad Hames. He's 7-1, 2.23 ERA, 79 strikeouts. That means he's having a great season. Yeah. He is the only Big South pitcher named, and let me get this right, to the National College Baseball Hall of Fame Pitcher of the Year watch list. Basically, in college sports, a lot of times for the end of the year awards, yeah. sometime in the year, whenever they, they typically do it, they put out a list of great players to watch. And that, that kind of narrows down National Player of the Year honors. They do it in basketball with the, uh, the Wooden Award, named for UCLA Coach Wooden, and they do it in other sports too. And so uh, Brad, who is a senior, is having an, an unbelievable year and clearly among the best in the Big South if he's the only pitcher on this national watch list. And it's a really long list. And so miles to go before he sleeps and gets the award. Yeah. But uh, it's just nice to be named to that list. And and he is. When, you, when you're when 7-1, it's a good, good record. When you have an ERA, earned run average, for non-baseball folks, that's, that's the average, basically the average runs you allow in a start each time you go out to the mound. Right. Uh, when it's less than 2.5, I think you're doing good. When it's less than 3, you're doing really well, uh, particularly in college baseball. And if you're a starter, you expect that. Sometimes you'll see a relief pitcher come in, and they'll have a really high ERA maybe because – they haven't, they haven't pitched as many innings, and if they give up a couple home runs, then that just skyrockets their yeah. earned run average. But he's having a great year. He's also got five complete games, which means he starts, he pitches nine innings. No other pitchers come to the mound for Gardner-Webb. And he's got two shutouts, which, you know, no score allowed right. from the other team, which is impressive. He really is kind of, I think, from looking at GW Sports' report on him being named to this watch list, among a really – exclusive group of Division One baseball pitchers for Gardner-Webb. There was Jeff Long in 04 and Zach Ward in 05, who both, I believe, got at least minor league baseball and brief major league stints, if nothing else. And now you've got Brad Hames, who has a chance to, to do that. And, again, I haven't heard his name pronounced mm-hmm. on radio or mm-hmm. TV or anything. So, uh, much like some of our other athletes recently, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, and apologies if if you got it wrong. Yeah, uh, there's another local fellow with some um, awards or some recognition coming his way. Yeah, I actually had a little bit of a Twitter conversation this week with a sports writer at the Houston Chronicle. Uh, very brief conversation, but it was interesting to me. I've been seeing in recent weeks. There's a guy from near, nearby Mooresboro here, Tyler White. I believe he went to Chase High School over in Rutherford County. He was a walk-on baseball player at Western Carolina. No scholarship at, at first, at least, and had a really good college career there. Found his way into the majors and played well in spring training and spring ball and found his way onto the Houston Astros 25-man roster. That's a huge accomplishment right there, and it's exciting to get a local guy who is there kind of in in the opening day, opening month time frame. You see a lot of guys called up in baseball as the year goes on mm-hmm. because injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams do well or they do poorly, and that kind of necessitates what they do, uh, pulling guys up from their farm teams. But with Tyler White starting there, and he's been hitting very well. He's hitting home runs. He's batting in the 300s, which for baseball, if you do that for your career – and you hit home runs and you drive runs in. That's Hall of Fame numbers. Now this is this is early on, so yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that. You have but to do that over years. You have to do that over years, <laughs> but it kind of is a measuring stick. He's doing very well, so that's exciting. And I saw the sports writer from the the Houston Chronicle kind of tweeted out a 
uh, tweet during a game that he had hit a home run and he was kind of powering the Astros. And I, I had seen already about this guy, and I just kind of tweeted back at him and said, Wow, that's that's exciting! Proud of proud of kind of our hometown local area guy, and, and uh, he was saying that Tyler White was a great find for the Astros, and I said the Astros were a great find for Tyler White, go local guy, and he he just kind of sent back, yes, I think they found something excellent here. So it's just exciting when I don't I don't know the guy, but as right. a fan, when somebody comes from your area, yeah, it's exciting. It is no matter what level of fan you are. So that's that's kind of something to get behind here early in the baseball season, yeah, and maybe something to pay attention to. Yeah, pay attention, keep your eye on it. Yeah, yeah, throughout the year. Um, NBA um, playoffs continue. Yeah, and the Hornets. I, I tell you, it's it's tough. Uh, again, talking to a couple of our students here this week who are Hornets fans, and and I see wearing Hornets hats and Hornets gear from time to time. It's just tough, you know. They have one of the best seasons that they've had in franchise history, winning forty eight games this year. They get into the playoffs, and they just the bottom fell out in the first two games. And and from the national sports writer scene, and and from places like the Charlotte Observer, I think the assessment is correct. They're not playing defense. Miami's making all kinds of shots. And they're scoring, I think, almost 120 points a game in the first two games. That's not going to get it done. you got to play defense in the playoffs. A lot of people say they hate to watch the NBA because there's no defense. It's just ball hogs yeah. wanting to score. In, in the playoffs, that's when you start to see some defense. And, and they're not doing it. And, and now they've lost Nick Batum, who is – kind of their third leading scorer, but he's kind of a do-it-all guy. He, he gets you points, he gets you rebounds, he moves the ball to people to get them in scoring positions. So that's going to be real tough. And, and the Hornets return home for game three this weekend, and then game four will be early next week uh, as we record this. And as as Scott Fowler with the Charlotte Observer said, now it's a matter of pride. When, when you get down 0-2 and you're staring 0-3 in the, in the face and four losses and you're out – if they, if they don't win game three, it's really going to be about pride. And can they win a game? Because ESPN Stats, that I love to follow on Twitter, uh, ESPN Stats and Info, had a great tweet this week about the history, the historic losses for the Hornets in the playoffs. They now have the second longest streak yes. of playoff losses, and that is only second to the Knicks uh, from like 01 to 2012 when they had 13. So they'll match that if they lose game three. And if they get swept, they'll set the new record, it seems like, uh, from from the stats that I saw. So that's kind of disappointing. Yeah. Uh, other than the um, Hornets, uh, what other teams should we be watching? What are the stories that are emerging from the other the other games? One of the big things, and, and we talk about him, it seems, every week, but I think this year he's he's kind of deserved that talking, is Stephen Curry. And he's he's been injured. He hurt his ankle in game one against the Rockets in their series. The – Warriors were able to win that game. They were able to win game two without him completely. He didn't play at all. And so they took a 2-0 lead to Houston and last night. Houston beat them. Uh, so uh, Houston's in that series very much, and we don't know what Stephen Curry's going to be able to do moving forward. That's one of the things that the great Carolina basketball player and then assistant coach Phil Ford said back in the 70s, I believe it was, of how you win championships. You have to be healthy. That's one of the main things. You have to be good, and you also have to be lucky. Those were his three things. But if you're not healthy, especially your star player, you really have a, a hit to your shot at winning the championship. So that's one of the big storylines moving forward. If if they can't get him back, they're still a strong team. Obviously, nowhere near as good. Um, that's one of the big storylines. I think one thing that people have been talking about more than I expected, and it sounds weird, you don't think basketball in Toronto. I think hockey, Canada hockey. 
But the Toronto Raptors are kind of a story that are a little bit on the radar this year. Not a team you think about when you think the NBA, obviously, whether you're a fan or not. They are the second team in the East, won the second most games behind LeBron James Cavaliers this year. And they have also had a history here of getting into the playoffs, even with good seasons, and just kind of Mm -hmm. fizzling out. So they lost their first game in their series, and everybody kind of started talking about it. This is another team like the Hornets kind of on the hot seat, but they've won two since then. And so they're, they're leading their series with the Indiana Pacers now. So it'll be interesting to see, can they finish off this series? Can they get in a little deeper? They could be a little bit, even as a two-seed, an underdog in the East because people, again, don't think about the Raptors. Um, everything else, I think, so far, has nothing has really surprised me. Uh, I think it will be most interesting here in uh, North Carolina, obviously, with Stephen Curry's ties. Can they finish off this series? Will, will he come back? Uh, I don't believe anything was broken in his ankle, but I think there was enough – uh, damage there that, that they wanted to be careful. And I know yeah. Warriors coach Steve Kerr has said, this is about winning 16 games. If you don't win the first four, though, you can't win the 16. So I think, you know, you don't want to push him and, and injure him worse, but it'll be interesting to see how they use him or don't use him. Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, any other sports or any other stories we should be watching as we uh, go into the weekend? Let's finish off with football and, and the Panthers. The draft, I believe, I believe is next weekend. But the big news this week in Charlotte was Josh Norman, the very outspoken, uh, in the spotlight, and he wants to be cornerback uh, for the Panthers. He's the guy, for, for those of you who may not remember exactly, who got into it with Odell Beckham Jr., the wide receiver from the Giants. They were shoving each other all game long. It was kind of dirty play back and forth uh, this past season in a regular season game up in New York. He also had an unbelievable season. He really did become kind of a shutdown cornerback, and he was for a Panthers defense that was really strong on the defensive line and linebacking groups, really the only great defensive back we had. Well, the Panthers seemingly have cut ties with him, and it's over money, and that that happens often with contract talks. And I think basically what they did was they put a franchise tag on him, and that basically means they are setting him aside as a player – that they then are required to give at least a one-year contract with a salary that is at least the average or above of the five players in the league at his position. That's a lot to take. That's a lot to take in. But basically, it's kind of guaranteeing that he's going to get a, a strong, strong contract deal. And I think the Panthers wanted to give him about eleven million dollars, and he wanted fifteen or sixteen million dollars. So there's a gap of four or five million dollars there. And I kind of understand from the Panthers' perspective why they couldn't match that. They have a lot of players that had strong years last year and were due probably to get big deals. Mm -hmm. They want to keep as many of those guys as possible. Mm -hmm. If you give a lot of money to one player, you're not going to have much to spread around to anybody else. Because there's a salary cap. You can only spend so much. Yeah, you've got that that cap in play. And depending on who your owners are and how much money also you've got to spend and how much of a penalty you want to pay on some of those caps – um, you, you can only do so much. And so I kind of understand where they're coming from, but it definitely for the Panthers heading into next year opens up maybe maybe one of the biggest questions they've had here in the offseason. They had a lot of needs after the Super Bowl last year, still need offensive line help. Cam Newton running for his life there in the Super Bowl against a great Broncos defense. Panthers had had protected Newton pretty well with their offensive line throughout the year, but that it, it really, when you play a great defense like the Broncos had, exposed some holes. So that's a need heading into the draft, and a lot of people think maybe they'll pick an offensive lineman in the first round. Um, they still need wide receivers. They'll get Kelvin Benjamin, their star, who was out all last year back, 
But there's still question marks after that, and there has been ever since Steve Smith left town and the Panthers kind of parted ways with him. There's been a little bit of, of, of a trend there with popular or outspoken players kind of being let loose by the organization. But but now the question is, when teams pass on the Panthers, who's going to be back there who can defend the pass well? All right. They can blitz the quarterback all day long, but if he can get the pass off to an open receiver – that could be trouble all year long. So I know the general manager, Dave Gettleman, for the Panthers said this week, we don't play a game until September 8th, so I've got plenty of time to address this issue. Uh, that gives me months and months and months to either draft players. Uh, he made a good point. Teams teams will cut players between now and then. There may be players that right now you're thinking, oh, they're already gone, they're on a team. They might not become training camp and come preseason when teams have to trim their rosters down. So there's still time, but it's certainly a concern Mm -hmm. uh, for Panthers fans around here. So something to be watching for in the coming months. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Matthew Tessner, the big sports fan, each and every week here on this podcast, WGWG.org, Gardner-Webb University Radio.